0: You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at Christwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, what's up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Good. One person. Awesome. One person's doing great. Everyone else... May not be awake. Go grab some coffee. Um, check your pulse. Uh, if you got your Bible, you got a smart device. Um, we're going to be in the Old Testament uh, book of Daniel, um, chapter six. So you can go ahead and turn with me there, or or swipe there. We'll we'll be uh, we'll be landing there in just a minute. Daniel, chapter six. Uh, I got I got a question that I got to know. Um, uh, and and be honest. Have you ever? gotten out of the shower in the morning and thought, Did I remember to wash my hair? Or maybe you find yourself in the middle of the day and you're like, Did I remember to brush my teeth this morning? And you do that weird thing, you know, like where you cup your hand in front of your your mouth or and, and you know, you like breathe out and try to breathe in like really quick to see if you can smell your own breath, which is weird that our nose is right above our mouth but it's difficult for us to tell whether or not we actually have bad breath or, or maybe you've been driving down the road, perhaps a familiar route, maybe you're on your way to work or on your way home or whatever, and you have traveled some distance, but for whatever reason, you don't remember the last five or six blocks that you went. Has that ever happened to anybody besides just me? Anyone? Okay, a couple of people are being honest with me this morning the reason for those kinds of things in our life are boiled down to to basically one word. It's it's habit, habit. Habits are involuntary behaviors that are controlled by the subconscious mind. And scientific studies um, indicate that anywhere from 40 to 95% of daily human behavior is habit. And so let's just choose a conservative number, 50%. Let's say that 50% of daily human behavior is habit. That means that half of the time, half of our waking lives, we are existing and functioning on autopilot. Like think of your last work day the last day that was, it wasn't a weekend, it wasn't out of the ordinary, it was the the thing that's a part of your routine, chances are it might have gone something kind of like this. Your alarm went off, you hit the snooze bar because you weren't ready to get up. And so you wanted to snuggle in under the covers and sleep for a little bit longer. Maybe when you finally did wake up, you grabbed your phone and opened it up and went to check Instagram or Facebook. Uh, When you finally did manage to get out of bed, chances are you went to use the bathroom, you brushed your teeth, and hopefully you took a shower. Then sometime after that, maybe you got dressed, and perhaps you would make coffee or eat breakfast. Then maybe you pack your lunch and get in the car for your commute to work. You take the same route to work that you always do, um, and when you get to work, you do similar work there on that day that you do on the day before. And then you, uh, at five o'clock when you get off work, you drive home. Maybe you pick up the kids from school or from soccer practice. Um, you get home, you fix dinner. After dinner, you put up the leftovers, you wash the dishes. Um, You check Instagram while you're settling in on the couch to watch a show on Netflix until you finally decide to get up, go put on your pajamas, maybe brush your teeth again. Perhaps you flip open your Bible app and read a verse or two before settling in to drift off to sleep while a YouTube video plays in the background. Maybe your routine is a little different than that, but either way, whenever you look at your day-to-day activity, you'll quickly see that the majority of it isn't a result of conscious decisions that we make, but rather it's, it's mindless habits. It's, it's learned behaviors that over time have become ingrained into our life. For example, when, uh, when my kids, Luke and Avery, were, were much younger, when, um, when we had the double stroller thing and um, we would go to the grocery store, um, they knew that they could get a cookie from the bakery. And so every time we went to the grocery store, as we're walking in the door, the question that both of them are asking, as, you know, little guys, toddlers, um, can we get a cookie?" They knew there was, a, there was a habit of behavior that was ingrained whenever we went to the Avenues Mall, um, and we, when we lived in Jacksonville, we would go to the avenues uh, a lot of times on the weekends, and um, we would come out of the, the department store there where Annie Ann's is right there at the base of the elevator or the escalator, and Luke and Avery knew that that was the direction that we were going to go, and so as we're strolling them up into the mall, their question was, is, can we stop? To get a pretzel it was it was ingrained behavior in them. Uh, me when I go to the gas station, I have this trigger, especially I cannot go inside to pay for my gas without also purchasing a mountain dew it 's very difficult during this season of prayer and fasting for me to go fill up my truck with gas because I have this trigger and I have to remind myself, no, you're not drinking soft drinks right now. It's just something that has been ingrained in me over the course of my life. It's like when my wife goes to Target, she has to stop at that dollar section in the front and buy 74 things. She has to, Every single time, it's just something that is ingrained in her. And and we all have triggers like this in our lives. They're they're habits that we have. And and in his book, Atomic Habits, uh, James Clear writes about how the human brain, it it actually wants to develop habits. He talks about how how habit formation in our lives, it, it begins with trial and error. And each time we encounter a brand new situation in our lives, our brains are forced to make a decision unaware of the results that it is going to bring. And so it develops a a feedback loop within our brain. And, And what happens scientifically as the synapses are firing and decisions are being made, even when we are not conscious of those decisions being made, and our brain will do this like, like on the go all the time throughout the day. It's constantly working through this, but it develops this feedback loop for every situation we come in contact with. That is try, fail, learn, and then try differently until a useful or desirable result is achieved. And and the truth about the way that our human brain works is that it's only capable of consciously solving one problem at a time. And all of the wives in the room are like, oh, okay, I understand my husband a little bit more right now. His brain literally is, he does have a one-track mind, and it's either football or sex, and then there's that like 1% of the time when it's you know, focused on something else. And see, habits, what happens is, is, is because our brain is, is bottlenecked into this one stream um, and it is capable of, of consciously solving just one problem at a time, habits come into play to overcome this bottleneck that we experience. By allowing the subconscious mind to handle lesser tasks, So that the conscious mind can focus on the problem at hand that is the most pressing, important, or significant. And so once the brain is able to string together a series of decisions that lead to the desired result, it simply copies and pastes and produces that same thing in our life over and over and over and over again, thus creating a habit pretty fascinating stuff if you ask me and thank you all for allowing me to like nerd out there for just a second i realized that that was um you know a little bit different than maybe what we normally get but today we're in part three of a series called habits where we're taking a look at some of the small things the small parts of our lives that can lead to uh big differences and and we're, we 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 uh, have set this theme for the year about making room for a miracle. And so, if we're going to stretch, if we're going to make room in our lives, the first place I believe that that starts is right here at the beginning of the year, is to make some room in our habits and the way that we behave and the way that we go about our day today to create some room for God to do what He wants to do in our hearts and in our lives, so that we can become the people that he is wanting us to be. And back in part one, we talked about the importance of starting small, that small things that nobody sees often lead to the big things that everyone wants. And then last week in part two, we talked about the fact that systems override or systems are greater than our goals and that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And today, we're going to talk about the importance of creating new habits and how we go about that. And so that brings us to Daniel chapter 6. I'm so glad that the Bible talks about stuff like this, whether we realize it or not. Um, In Daniel chapter 6, I know that for a lot of us in the room, several of us watching online, no doubt Daniel is um, at at least a a somewhat well-known character of, of the scriptures um, many of us associate him with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and their abstinence of the food and wine from the king's table. We also um, associate him with uh, the lion's den, which is um, kind of the part of his, his life, his trajectory that we're going to be looking at this morning. But many of us don't realize that those instances happened decades apart from each other. And so in Daniel chapter six, when, when we read about Daniel here, um, we, we actually are reading about a Daniel who is uh, 70 plus years old at this point, having been taken into Babylonian captivity as a young man, probably a teenager. Um, he has lived the majority of his life away from his homeland. And uh, King Darius, Um, who is now the ruling authority. When we pick up in Daniel chapter six, he has, uh, King Darius has appointed um, 120 officers to rule over each of the provinces in his kingdom. And then above those officers, he's appointed three administrators to oversee all the 120 officers. And among those three administrators is Daniel. And soon, we'll see that Daniel sets himself apart as the best of the best above all the rest. And so we'll pick up Daniel chapter six, starting with verse three, and it reads this way. It says, Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Continuing to verse 4, then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn because Daniel was faithful, he was always responsible, and he was completely trustworthy. Verse 5, so they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. First and foremost, you need to understand, we all need to, to realize that, that when it comes to making room in our habit life, that is, is, is the truth that when, when you and I, when we decide to be different, when we decide to change the trajectory of where our life is headed, it's going to upset other people in our life because it's going to confront their desire to remain exactly the same. When you make a decision that this year I'm going to start going to church faithfully and consistently, it's going to upset the other people in your family that may not view things that way. They may not want to get up and get out of the bed on a cold and rainy Sunday morning to come with you to church. It may upset the people that you normally go and spend time at the beach with, and so now you're no longer going to be available for them or fill in the blank with whatever it is that you would normally do on a Sunday morning with Whomever it is, you would do that. They're going to get upset, perhaps, that you're making this decision for your life. Maybe you make the decision that you're going to quit drinking or partying Then the people that you would have associated with or or that you would have gone out with on the weekends to do that. They're going to call you a fuddy-duddy, stick-in-the-mud, whatever. Did I just turn like 89 years old, like immediately right there? Fuddy-duddy, stick-in-the-mud. I don't know where that came from it's not a part of my notes but that's how those people are going to view you and they're going to say oh you're not cool anymore you're not fun anymore i can't believe you won't come out and 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 hang out and party with us anymore perhaps perhaps you um you make the decision that that um you're going to you're going to uh uh put to to end your habit of of, of looking at pornography and everything. And so that guy at your workplace, he wants to, hey man, check this out. And you say, no, that's not me anymore. I've decided to to get away from that. I'm going to honor my my wife. I'm going to honor God in the way that I'm living and the things that I'm choosing to view. And he's going to make fun of you and tell you that it's no big deal and and, um, start to spread rumors with the other guys around the water cooler of of how you're, you're some weirdo now because you won't even look at this innocent picture on his phone or maybe you decide that you're gonna eat healthy and then the next day someone's gonna invite you to go to lunch at McDonald's and you're gonna have to explain why you can't do that because there's nothing healthy on that menu or, or, or just overall, you just decide that you're gonna live for Jesus and all the people in your life that aren't living that way and they don't understand that lifestyle and they knew the old you and you're trying to be the new you, they're gonna be like, who is this guy? We can't even be friends anymore. It's going to upset them when you try to make changes to be better for yourself. And and that's the reason why these other officers, these other administrators, that they were upset with Daniel because they, they realized that Daniel, especially when it came to his relationship with Christ, when his relationship with God, Daniel was a person of excellence. He was a person of excellence. And around here, we like to say that excellence is our pursuit. It's in fact, one of our eight core values. Excellence is our pursuit. And when it comes to excellence, there there are two measuring sticks. There's the measuring stick of Jesus, which is always out in front of us and something that we will never be able to attain fully. And then there's the measuring stick of ourselves. And it's This idea of I don't have to be the best at any one thing. I just have to be better than me. And so each and every day, our quest is as we pursue to become more like Jesus, that we get better ourselves than we were yesterday. It is not a comparison. It is not an us against them. Daniel's goal was not to set out to be better than all the other administrators or all the other officers. His goal was just to be the best version of Daniel that he could be. That was what he set out to do. And so he was excellent in his pursuit of the Lord as he was a faithful person. He was a responsible person, and he was a trustworthy person. And as he spent time with the Lord and bettered himself over decades, the Lord began to produce these things in his life. Daniel ended up, as a result, getting the accolades that the others desired because he was willing to do the things that they weren't willing to do. I love this quote from uh, famed uh, NFL wide receiver, Jerry Rice. He says this, he says, "'Today I will do what others won't, "'so tomorrow I can do what others can't. "'Today I will do what others won't, "'so tomorrow I can do what others can't.'" That was some thousands of years before the motto, that Daniel lived his life by. And the people that were around him, it rubbed them the wrong way. They didn't like it. And so through flattery and manipulation, the other administrators and the officers, in an attempt to thwart Daniel and the accolades that he was receiving that they were jealous of, they, they went to the king and they convinced him to sign a law into place saying that for the next 30 days, all the people in the nation that they could only pray to the king anyone who broke that law that they would be thrown into the den of lions we pick up in verse 10 of daniel 6 it says this it says but when daniel learned that the law had been signed he went home and knelt down i love this as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he always had done, giving thanks to his God. See, Daniel had decided ahead of time who he was going to be. He didn't allow the circumstances of his life to all of a sudden change his course of action. It was was the who he was that decided what he did. It was one small habit over the course of 60 plus years that was the secret to Daniel's success. We pick up in in verse 13, it says, "The, the, the administrators and the officers, they go to the king and they say, that man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. We talked about this earlier in our series about our enemy, the devil, being the accuser. And this is an accusation right here, that, that accusation, one of the captives from Judah, what they're doing is, is they're pointing a finger at Daniel's past. And, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to discount his deserving to belong as a part of them or to be considered for these accolades to be placed in, uh, in the position over the entire empire. And in spite of Daniel's track record of 60 years of of faithfulness and trustworthiness and responsibility, because they can find nothing else, they're going to the king and they're saying, this guy doesn't even belong here. And yet, you're giving him this position over any of us. See, Daniel realized that his identity wasn't found in the fact that he was a captive from Judah. His identity was found in God and in the calling that God had placed on his life. And so confidence in who he was is what allowed Daniel to live as a man of great faith, even when faced with a den of hungry lions, which shortly after this, he gets thrown into to spend the night and if you're taking notes i would encourage you to write this down the big idea for today the thing that i want us to settle in and focus on here this morning is is simply this never underestimate god's ability to do something big as a result of us choosing to do something small I'll say it again, never underestimate God's ability to do something big as a result of us choosing to do something small. So we read in in verse 22, it says, my God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me for I have been able, or I have been found innocent in God's sight. Daniel was able to survive, not because he started to pray whenever the law was signed into existence. Daniel was able to survive the night because of the relationship that he had in prayer with God over the course of the past 60 plus years of his life. So we never underestimate God's ability to do something big in our life as a result of us choosing to do something Small. So the question for us this morning is, how do we develop a 60-year habit? How do we develop a 60-year habit? The answer is really simple. Start today. Start today. Based on who you want to become, based on who God is, is calling you to be, what I would ask you is, what's one habit that you need to start in your life? And and it doesn't have to be big. In fact, it's it's better, it's preferred if it's small. Maybe this year you wanna be more encouraging. You wanna be a, a person of encouragement. So perhaps you need to start small with just writing one note or sending one text to a person every week this year, 52 of those, every week this year, just to encourage them. And celebrate what God's doing in their life. Maybe you want to be a more organized person. And perhaps the small thing is, is that starts with you just making your bed every morning. Maybe you want to be a more godly parent this year. Perhaps that starts with you reading a Bible plan on the YouVersion app with your kids. Um, maybe you want to be a more focused person That could start out with you just at the beginning of every day listing your top three priorities of what you need to accomplish that day. And so you check them off systematically one by one. Maybe you wanna be healthier this year. Perhaps that could just start by saying no to soft drinks and choosing to drink water instead. Maybe you want to get closer to Jesus in this year. The small step maybe that you need to make is is not hit the snooze bar and just wake up nine minutes earlier. And before you check Instagram or Facebook or whatever, open the Bible app first and spend time reading a plan there in God's word. So if we're going to do that, then how do we go about starting these new habits in our life? And, and the, the, the place that that starts is with changing our systems. We have to change our systems. We talked about this um, in, over the past couple weeks. We talked about systems and, and some of you may think, well, I don't, I don't really have any systems in place and, and sure you do. Sure you do, you you have a system, You, you hit snooze and so you oversleep and then you're running late so you don't have time for coffee. Because you don't have time for coffee, you're irritable, and so you yell at your kids on the way to drop them off at school, and you're putting your makeup on in the car, and you almost get in a wreck, and so that causes the car that you almost hit to the driver. Um, He he waves at you with one finger, and um, you get angry about that, and then so you show up to work, and you're mad, and you're angry, and you're bitter, and and you're fatigued, and and there's no coffee and everything, and so your boss says that he's going to need you to come in over the weekend and need you to fill out those TPS reports. So we all get that on the drive home. And so you snap at your boss, right? It's this chain reaction of things. But, but those things are, we, we experience that stuff more often than we would like to admit because that's the system that we have in place. The, the systems that we currently have in place are producing the results that we're currently getting. And so if you don't like the results that your life is, is producing, and change the system. If we don't like the results we're getting, we just need to change the system because the truth is nothing changes if nothing changes. And so if, if here at the beginning of the year, if we're saying we're, we're going to be people that are different, we're, we're, going, to, um, we're going to become something uh, over and above or beyond what we currently are, then, then something has to give. Something has to change. And I mentioned uh, James Clear earlier in his book, Atomic Habits. Um, in that book, he talks about the four building blocks or the four steps to building a habit. And they're going to be right here if you want to write them down. Um, the first one of those is cue. The second step is craving. The third step is response. And the fourth step is reward. So cue, craving, response, Reward. That may practically look something like this. A cue would be when your cell phone buzzes or beeps. The craving is that you want to read whatever email or text message just came across your screen. And so your response is that you will grab the phone and read the text or the email. And so the reward comes about when we satisfy our craving to read the text and then we associate grabbing our phone with it buzzing. And so that's why even when you are in conversation with your spouse or with your boss or with a friend or whatever, and your phone buzzes, you just automatically reach into your pocket or into your person, pull it out. You you can't even continue a conversation without even having to reach in and look and see what is on that screen. Or perhaps another example would be, um, uh, the cue would be you wake up in the morning And your craving is is that because you didn't get enough sleep last night because you stayed up late binging on Netflix or something like that, your craving is is that you want to feel alert because you're really tired. And so your response is that you drink coffee. And so the reward is, is that the caffeine from the coffee makes you feel alert. And so drinking coffee becomes associated with waking up. That's why it's one of the first things that a lot of us do as soon as we get out of the bed. Or many of us program it to happen, uh, you know, before we go to bed. So we wake up to the smell of Arabica beans flowing through our nostrils. And it helps us, um, you know, to, to wake up. You see how that works. And so this is how we begin to build habits in our lives. It's through conditioning ourselves through these four steps. The cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. But many of us, we have bad habits as well. It's not just the development of good habits, it's the development of bad habits. We'll talk more about that next week. But for this week, we're, we're talking about starting new habits. If there's a new habit we want to initiate, we want to start, then there's, um, there's really two things that we need to do in order to, to kickstart this in, um, in our life. And we're going to get like super, super practical. Okay, like really, really practical right now. So if you're taking notes, you, you might want to write this down. Um, the two things really above everything else that we need to do if we want to generate a new habit in our lives. The first one is we need to make it obvious. We need to make it obvious. It's, it's kind of like grocery shopping. We tend to buy the things that are obvious and easy, not necessarily the things that are best for us. We will buy what is in the sale ad. We will buy the things that are, um, you know, in our line of sight on that, that coveted, you know, uh, the second shelf down, you know, where, where all the big brands are. That's wherever they pay big money to get their products put on that because it's in the, it's in the sight line for a lot of people or, or to have your product displayed on an end cap. We'll get those things like on the end cap of the aisle where it's, it's all of the same thing. Those are the areas that we gravitate toward it's it's the things that, uh, it's, it's those desires that they, they trigger a previous reward that we have experienced when once upon a time we drank that drink and we remember the way that it felt or that we enjoyed it or when we ate that cereal, that bowl of cereal, you know, at midnight and man, we really love that because it has the little marshmallows in it and so, oh, I need to get the family size box of that and oh, it's buy one, get one free, well, you know, if it's free, it's for me, right? And so you put two of them into the cart and it's It's on and on and all of that stuff. They're not putting fruits and vegetables at eye level in the grocery store. All the healthy stuff is out of the way. You have to search for it. You know, it's difficult to come by. It's way more expensive. All the stuff that's terrible for you, it's easy. It's accessible. And so that's what we've got to do if we're going to start a new habit in our life. We have to make it easy because if we want to change what we do, then we have to change what we see. We've got to make it obvious right in front of us. So some examples of what an obvious cue might look like is if we decide that we wanna start taking our lunch during the work week in order to save some money, then the obvious cue would be to pack it the night before. Because if it's already packed, And when you get up in the morning and you're on your way out the door because you're running late, because you've overslept and and that's the system that you've created, the lunch is already done. And so you just grab it on your mad dash out the door. And that's one less thing that you have to think about. That's an obvious cue. Or perhaps you want to uh, build the habit of exercising every morning when you get up. The obvious cue would be sleep in your workout clothes. Because that way, when you get up, you're already dressed to work out. And if you choose not to work out, you actually have to take those workout clothes off. <laughs> Maybe an obvious cue is uh, you, you, you've decided that you want to build the habit of reading your Bible before you go to bed. I would encourage you to invest in one of these. It's an actual, pay- young people, this is, a, this is a, called a book book. And there, it's, it's leather bound and there are pages with words on them on the inside. You could take one of these things and you could lay it down on your pillow. So that then when you go to bed, you have to consciously pick this up and remove it in order to lay down. And so that simple act is going to remind you, oh, I need to crack this open and I'm going to read a verse or two before I go to sleep. You got to make it obvious. You see how that works? And then you do that. Over a little bit of time, and all of a sudden, a new habit has developed. Not only do you need to make it obvious, the second most important thing is you got to make it easy. you got to make it easy. A lot of us, we start out way too big, way too complicated. Uh, there's, a, there's a book called, called Finish um, that, that, that's great, and I'm, I'm, uh, the, the guy's name is John Acuff is the author. And he talks about that for, for many of us, we want to develop new habits in our life. It's, it's not hard for us to start them. It's hard for us to finish them. And the reason is because we make our goals too big and too broad. And so we need to break them down into bite-sized chunks and celebrate each milestone along the way. So, so if we're going to make those things easy in our life, then th- let's say that we've set out we're going to read the Bible in a year. Like that's a big goal for us. We need to read the Bible in a year. Instead of that, like if you've never read the Bible before and you're like, oh, I'm going to read the Bible this year. Like, why not just try reading one verse today? Like start there and celebrate that and then, then build off of that. Maybe, maybe your goal is I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. I'm going I'm to lose, you know, uh, you're, on a, you're on a quest to lose 50 pounds. How about just lose five pounds first? Like, prove it to yourself that you can lose five pounds and then use that as, like, the building block to start off. uh, Or or maybe you've got the goal, like, I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah, how about before that, how about you just, like, jog around the block first? Or maybe if you're like me, how about you just, like, walk around the block? First, Or like to the end of the driveway, maybe, you know, before you decide that you're going to run that marathon. Some of us, I'm going to save money. I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to save $10,000 so I can pay off my credit card. How about you save 10 bucks first? Because that's not happening. So you see, if we we make it easy, if we put it, if we set our goals instead of making them so huge and grandiose, what if we took them and we put them in these bite-sized chunks and then then you add that up over the course of of time, it'll end up arriving at the big picture goal that you're setting for yourself because you're going to create these new systems. If you save $10 long enough, $10 and $10 and $10, eventually you'll get to where you've saved $10,000. If you read one verse a day enough over and over and over, eventually you'll get to the place where you've read the Bible cover to cover. Because what happens is, is, is when we fail at, at achieving our goals and, and when, when we let ourselves and we let others down and, and we don't follow through with our New Year's resolutions and, and all of that stuff, a, a lot of us, we buy into the lie that we simply lack motivation. But what we really lack is a good system we're not reaching our goals, the truth is the goals aren't the problem. All of those things that I've just mentioned, those are great. Those are wonderful goals. But it's our systems that are the problem. See, goals are helpful for setting the direction. That's, that's where we want to move toward. That's what we want to accomplish. That's, that's who we want to become. But a system is what is important for helping us to make progress to get there. The goal isn't helping us take any steps. System is what's going to determine the, des- the steps we take and whether or not we arrive at that goal. So I said super practical. So here's the practical application for this. It's something that each of us have to decide. Maybe maybe you started out all the way back in part one. You started out with your one word and. So you're determining who does God want me to become? What's, what's the one area of focus that he has for me in my life this year? And, and we're already past the second, uh, second Friday in January. So if you've made it this far, come on, we're doing good. Day 15 of 30 days of prayer and fasting. There's, there's some things, there's some, there's some momentum building and, and we're getting excited about the possibilities of what God may be doing. So at a super practical level, the application looks like this. If we're going to create a new habit in our life, it's simply like this right here. It says, I will do blank after I blank. I can't fill in those, those blanks for you because I, I, don't, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish. But this can be for, for any area, any aspect of life, spiritual or otherwise. I will do blank after I do blank. First, we need to name our cue. And then we need to determine our response. We need to name our cue and then determine our response. Daniel, he lived his life this way. I will do my prayer time after I eat. That was his system. The Bible is clear that three times a day, morning at breakfast, midday at lunch, evening at dinner, Daniel would eat Then he would spend time in prayer with the Lord. For me, one of my systems looks like this. After I get up, I take a shower. After I take a shower, I get dressed. After I get dressed, I spend time reading my Bible and praying and writing in my journal. It's what I do every day. That's a system that I've developed that I'm working on turning into a habit. Maybe for you, it's after I make my coffee, I'm going to read the verse of the day. Or after I put the kids to bed, I'm going to do 25 air squats or 15 push-ups or whatever. After I get up, I'm going to make the bed. What a, like, We're not talking about like rocket science stuff here. It's just little bitty things that we can incorporate into the rhythm and the routine of our life that are gonna help us to get down the road to who God is calling us to be. Now remind us of one of the verses we read at the very beginning of this series out of Zechariah chapter four, verse 10. It says, do not despise these small beginnings. We can all do those things. We can all read one verse. We can all do a few push-ups. Can all make the bed in the morning, whatever that looks like. It's it's small, seemingly insignificant stuff, but but over the course of time it's gonna add up. It's that one degree of change that's going to get us moving down the road towards where God wants us. He says, Don't despise these small beginnings. I love this. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. That's where we start. We're not gonna go out from Getting up off the couch, having done no exercise to to running a marathon and being an Olympic athlete. No, it starts with first taking that walk around the block and then building off of that. Small actions in our life repeated over and over and over. They lead to the development of habits. And habits lead to the development of momentum. And momentum is what will carry us into changing our identity. Never underestimate God's ability to do something big as a result of your choice to do something small. So what's the habit that you need to start? What is it that God, who is it that God is calling you to be? What is it he's calling you to do? What's that thing? After I do this, then I will do this. What's that thing that you need to start today? Build that into your routine so that you can become this year the person that God has called you to be. So that on January the 16th of 2023, you're not looking back saying, I wish I would have done X. You're looking back and saying, man, because I chose that small thing, look how far I've come. Look at the things that God has done in my life over the course of this year as, my, as a reward for my obedience in this one small area. What might happen if we all chose to live this way? What might this church look like? What might your marriage look like? What might your family look like? What might your finances look like? What might your health look like if we would all choose to live this way in accordance with these principles. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you God, that, that we don't have to start out at step hundred. God, that we can start out with what is small. Lord, we thank you that, that you recognize and that you honor and that you use the small things. Lord, a cloud the size of a man's hand, a little boy's lunch, faith the size of a mustard seed, Lord, time and time and time again through your word, you show us that that in and through the small things, Lord, that you can produce the big things. God, I just pray that you would do just that In our hearts and lives, as as your people, as they make a commitment to do what is small, Lord, that you would bring about that which is big in their life, Lord, that they would see the big things that you have in store. And and with with big faith, Lord, that they would step out and do the small thing. And God, as they do that, Lord, that you would help them to develop these new positive habits that are going to put them on track to become the person that you have called them to become. that their life, their marriage, their, their family, their finances, their health. God, everything that they are would be changed as a result. The small choices of faithful obedience that they're stepping out in today. I thank you for what you've already begun and what you're going to continue to do in the hearts and lives of your people. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.